Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I said, if you could be so kind as to take my name and number and tell him why I call, and I'd, I'd love to hear from him and talk to him about our situation in Raleigh. She agreed to do that. In about two hours, I got a call. The building was being built for NC State basketball. Uh, they had a plan for a beautiful facility. But in order to accommodate an NHL hockey team, there had to be improvements to it. Ray Rouse, who was, he was chairman of the construction committee for the authority, I thought said it best. He said, vision's expensive, but lack of vision is even more expensive. Steve Stroud was such a big-time player in, in the arena, being where it is, being how it's funded. He deserves a lot of credit, too, for having the foresight to see that hockey and NC State basketball can work in the same arena. So they needed a new arena. They wanted to take it out near the um, where the cheap land was that they already owned next to Carter-Finley Stadium. Oh, we felt all along the right decision was made as far as this market. Um, we did know it was going to take some time. It was going to take a point where the team had a had a good season. It doesn't matter if you're a Blue Devil fan or a Tar Heel fan or a you know a Wolfpack fan. You can all be Hurricane fans. This is the uniting factor. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast with your host, Adam Gold. The Canes Corner Podcast is a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. And now, here's Adam. The Hartford Whalers left Connecticut for Raleigh for one main reason. The Hartford Civic Center wasn't providing enough for the franchise or its fans to make it work in an ever-increasing sports entertainment industry. So owner Peter Carmanos went about searching for a new home for his franchise. Hi, this is Adam Gold, and welcome to the 25th anniversary Canes Corner podcast as we study how the Carolina Hurricanes came to be. Special thanks to our friends at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. And I'd also like to remind you that not only is this podcast a standalone series, but we also have morning after podcasts, which are available the day after every Hurricanes game. So this is probably a good time to remind you to follow the Canes Corner Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Episode 4 was lighthearted, if you can joke about almost killing off your mascot before anyone had a chance to see it. Today, back to storytelling. How Raleigh secured the Whalers, the people who made it happen, the obstacles that had to be negotiated, and the market the team had to cultivate. There's a lot. So... This episode is about the reason Peter Carmanos chose Raleigh over Columbus or Nashville or anywhere else USA, and there are a multitude of factors, but the more people you talk to, the more the name Steve Stroud comes up. A commercial real estate executive, Stroud had a vested interest in the economic growth and development of the Triangle, and as chairman of the Centennial Authority, 
an organization charged with planning, funding, and executing construction of a new multi-purpose arena, primarily for NC State basketball, but also for concerts and such. Stroud's job was similar to that of a general contractor. Bring a lot of different folks together to complete the task. So, it's a little funny that Stroud was watching television when this whole plan took a turn that ultimately led to where we are today, getting ready to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Carolina Hurricanes. ESPN was interviewing Peter Clemens. He was in a very serious debate with the governor of uh, Connecticut about, about that facility up there and, uh, and told him he was going to move the whalers if, if he didn't get some relief. Where would you go? And he mentioned three places. He mentioned Columbus, Nashville, Tennessee, and Raleigh, North Carolina. The next morning, I called his office in Detroit and talked my way to his personal secretary. And she says, uh, do you have an appointment with Mr. Kamanis? I said, no, ma'am, I'm in North Carolina. She said, I mean, do you have a phone appointment? He doesn't speak with anybody over the telephone unless they have a previous appointment agreed to. Here's what I would ask you to do. He said last night that he was going to consider Raleigh, North Carolina for relocation uh, for the Hartford players. And I'm chairman of the committee that's, uh, that's trying to build a new arena there and that's what I want to talk to him about. It. And I, I think that he might be interested. We've been working on this some time. And personally, for me, it's been uh, probably 15 years. And I'd love to talk to him about it if he'd like to talk. I said, if you could be so kind as to take my name and number and tell him why I call. And I'd, I'd love to hear from him and talk to him about our situation in Raleigh. She agreed to do that. In about two hours, I got a call. We've seen these pictures over and over. An arena that was on the verge of never being built. An arena deal with the city and county that was on its last legs. We were at the 12th hour on this project. Uh, Centennial Authority Chairman Steve Stroud had his doubts. In a last-minute agreement, the Raleigh City Council approved a deal to move the project forward. I took it upon myself to try and craft a deal that I believe everyone could live with. The deal would secure about $1.7 million a year back to the city and county from the arena financing. It varies slightly from the county commissioner's plan, but Stroud is confident the county will agree to the compromise. They're going to uh, concur with this and allow us to move ahead. At least one county commissioner agrees, saying this is a done deal. Commissioner Leo, too, told WRAL News, quote, It's time to move forward. I'm very optimistic about finalizing this in the next couple of days. Now, with Hartford Whalers owner Peter Carmanos considering Raleigh as a possible landing spot for his NHL team, the late move by the city council is music to the ears of arena supporters who have kept trying to make this arena a reality. Now Stroud just had to make the pitch to Peter Carmanos. I do think we have a, a great potential market in a growing area that's already deeply entrenched in sports of many kinds. 
I said, I think this area is going to be one of the fastest growing uh, in the country. I think our TV market is going to be one of the fastest growing in the country. And if you come down here and work with us, I think we could get you a suitable arena. I told him that we had passed an interlocal tax, and and nobody knew for sure how that was going to work out, but that we could sit around table and certainly talk about it with uh, the powers to be. And he said, where did your governor stand on this? And I said, well, I can't truthfully answer that, but I believe he'll support it. He said, what's your politics? I said, I'm a Republican. And he said, if I remember correctly, he is a big-time Democrat. I said, yes, sir. He, he certainly is, and uh, he's done a great governor. Aside from Stroud, there are two men who really were integral in making this a reality. One we'll hear from in a couple of minutes, Charlie Bryant, then executive director of the Wolfpack Club, the fundraising arm for NC State Athletics. The other, Stroud just mentioned, then-Governor Jim Hunt. Author, former sports writer, and NC State historian Tim Peeler gives us the lowdown on the big three, starting with Stroud. He was the primary fundraiser uh, for the um, campaign that led to the building of the arena. Obviously, Charlie Bryant was the uh, director of the Wolfpack Club, which raised all the money through its campaign to build the arena. And God love him, Jim Hunt, uh, one of my favorite people ever— was the most politically savvy person ever born in the state of North Carolina and the person who in politics who uh, tried as much as he could to advocate for NC State and for the city of Raleigh. And he helped navigate some of those political issues that came up. I mean, you had so many different people who were involved in the whole construction process and the financing process. You had Peter Carmanos, who was from Detroit. And then you had the um, the whalers coming down from Connecticut. And then you had, you know, all these folks in North Carolina, which are all fairly insulated from dealing with that, except for those who had experience in uh, developing the Research Triangle Park, uh, where they brought in people from all over the world to come in there. Stroud solicited Governor Hunt's help. Governor, I don't know if this would lead to anything other than hockey that he owns a company, uh, and it's big, or at least very similar to SAS, and you never know, you might like the triangle. And he said, well, Steve, that sounds interesting. What can I do? I said, well, we're going to have lunch over at Prestonwood. I want you to sell this deal. He said, well, yeah, I'll do that. He said, you call this lady and make sure she's got all the details, and uh, I'll be there. Charlie Bryant, executive director of the Wolfpack Club. When this thing first started, it was just going to be a basketball arena and an arena for entertainment things, entertainment shows, and that sort of thing. And I don't think there was a whole lot of thought about hockey even coming in. And then Mr. I think it was Sabatis from Charlotte, he first approached the, the, the facility about bringing a hockey team in, and then he kind of fell by, and then Mr. Kamanos came in, and, and it, was just, it was just a matter of, everybody coming together, which I think they did pretty well. More from Steve Stratt. And we flew to New York to meet with the Board of Governors. Dennis Wicker was Lieutenant Governor then. He went with us and actually we got Tom Fletcher to go with us. But that didn't work out. Uh, 
when they got into the amount of uh, money that they had to stroke a check for that particular time, that was a lot of money. That's that would be a minor amount compared to what they're asking today. Uh, when they went through it with the Board of Governors, and I honestly think uh, that Sabatis and his crowd could have uh, gotten a franchise if they could have worked out some financial arrangements with uh, Gary Bettman and the National Hockey League. But that didn't work out. We call that an opening. Then Whalers slash Hurricanes GM Jim Rutherford. The building was being built for NC State basketball. Uh, they had a plan for a beautiful facility, but in order to accommodate an NHL hockey team, there had to be improvements to it. And uh, so that's when a lot of uh, work and trying to figure out the finances to how the additions to the building were going to work. Steve Stroud led the charge and really did a terrific job with Pete Carmanis and convincing him that this was the up-and-coming market, which is has turned out he was totally right. <laughs> and so this is where we ended up. And uh, a lot of hard work by a lot of people on the Centennial Authority. Uh, the people on the Centennial Authority from day one to this day have really done a good job of managing that facility and managing the finances to keep up the facility and uh, you got to give a lot of credit to the people that were here and, and convincing Pete Carmanis this was the place to come. Steve Stroud. He and Batman and uh, the committee of the board looked at their plans and said that arena won't work. It, it's not an NHL arena. You get us an arena that'll work and we'll give you a franchise. It's not a franchise. We'll allow Mr. Carmanis to move the Hartford players to Raleigh. So we redrew the arena, that, and that's when the suites went in. Uh, the original plans had no suites. So we redrew the thing. There was a lot of plans in the trash, about a 55-gallon barrel, and drew another set of plans and included suites. That brought on a whole new discussion. That discussion was about finances. Here's Charlie Bryant. Ray Rouse, who was, he was chairman of the construction committee for the authority, I thought said it best. He said, vision's expensive, but lack of vision is even more expensive. And that's what happened when we got into the, into the possibility of having the whalers move into the arena. It obviously meant that we had to make some significant changes, and those changes were going to be expensive. We'd faced a lot of financial problems to begin with because of a number of things, starting with the small recession we had in the early 90s and and then uh, the Jim Valvano mess that screwed things up, too, and certainly didn't help the Wolfpack people. We were all committed by the time the hurricanes came in, and so it was just a, it was just a feather in the cap and something that ignited not only the the uh, city and the county and the state, but the uh, university as well, because we saw it as a multi-purpose ar- arena, and and that's basically what everybody was for. A few people had some drawbacks about the adding facilities, which meant more money, but it it was just it was an obvious thing that had to happen, and I think everybody very quickly came together and and made the necessary contributions to get it done. Not surprisingly, not everyone was on board with what Stroud was trying to do. 
the Board of Governors of the University of North Carolina came out opposed to NC State also, opposed to any suites in that building. But we had the experts tell us that uh, wouldn't work without it. So we knew, knew we had to overcome that, and we did. And contrary to what they all thought, the suites did work. People did buy them, and they paid many times more than the experts who I think the city hired to do a study said they would bring. They said they'd bring $15,000 a year. <laughs> the suites bring a lot more than $15,000 a year. And a lot of people, including Linda Murphy, had a suite. A lot of people who said they were originally opposed to it when they got thinking about uh, being able to entertain a nice suite and a nice arena, that that might not be a bad idea. And they responded, we, the suites worked. Tim Peeler covered those issues a quarter century ago. I still remember uh, to this day the lead I wrote about uh, the opening of the arena, and that was never have so many people worked against each other more for a common cause. And that's exactly what that whole process was, was everybody trying to get their specific things that they wanted done and out of the arena and Raleigh being a state capital, a political town, sports being political in many different ways, other state schools in the region who may have gotten help from the state legislature, everybody had a say in it. And essentially the governing body of um, the arena was a political organization that made all of the decisions. So NC State had the primary people on the Centennial Authority, and then the Hurricanes came in and had a minority membership on the Centennial Authority. So obviously there was going to be some conflicts there. Then WRAL-TV anchor Jeff Gravely covered the story. It was kind of a two-part coverage, too, because it was also tied to NC State getting a new arena. So you covered it from a hockey standpoint, and you also covered it from an NC State interest, too, of of getting a new arena and what is it going to look like and how is it going to work. And I think you tried to find some answers of logistics, and I think it's going, oh, okay, it's going out at Carter-Finley Stadium. It's not going downtown. Okay, this is what we're going to have to deal with. This is the time frame in which we have. Steve Stroud was such a big-time player in in the arena, being where it is, being how it's funded. He deserves a lot of credit, too, for having the foresight to see that hockey and NC State basketball can work in the same arena. I told you Stroud's name keeps coming up. Charlie Bryant. We had a hard sell with it, and that's, that's where I think Steve Stroud came in very well. I don't know if, if I pointed him or I got in there, but he, we got him. We got him in there, and Steve was one of those kinds of guys that could piss everybody off, but he could also get as a as a staunch Republican. He could work both sides of the aisle at the legislature, and, and uh, he did a marvelous job with that. He and I used to walk the halls of the legislature so much that many people thought we were members down there. But it was a good event, and putting it all together was was fun. A lot of hard work, and of course, Steve is the one that really, really did the super work because it it took it took a lot more than the university. I said many times that there were three entities: the state, and 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 the city, and the county, and neither of us could afford a facility by ourselves. But collectively, we couldn't afford not to do it. Back to Steve Strap. But that arena wasn't about me; it was about. Raleigh and the Research Triangle, Durham, Cary, 
and he learned it stretched out and brought hockey fans, uh, not just once in a while, but every game from east all over eastern North Carolina. We got some rabid hockey fans out in the hinterland to stand in, uh, in a corner and just watch the crowd and look at the building and know we, with what we had to work with that it turned out pretty damn well. As we can wrangle and finagle the money, we keep improving it, and it's going to be good for a lot of years. Just so happens that we're looking for another round of renovations right now. While Stroud started this with a cold call after seeing Carmanos mention Raleigh as a possible landing spot while on TV, this is an issue that went back another 15 years, roughly, as NC State was looking for a new palace, having outgrown venerable Reynolds Coliseum. That part of the story, after the break. Adam Golden Studio with my man Ryan Monsine from the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You guys have tons of products. Let's talk about gutters, specifically the gutter helmet. Yeah, gutter helmets can make it so you never have to clean out the inside of your gutters again. And also, if you need new gutters, the Aluminum Company can help you out with that too. You don't have to stop, get a separate contractor to do the wood rot, the gutters. We can take care of it all. The Aluminum Company in North Carolina is a one-stop shop. We give free, no-obligation estimates. We can come out there, assess what you have going on with your gutters and make a recommendation and make it so you don't have to get up on a ladder and, and do a dangerous chore anymore. People don't understand how dangerous it is. Or maybe I'm just nervous when I get on a step stool because I'm not very tall. But that product is amazing. The gutter helmet is amazing. Is it one size fits all? Absolutely. The gutter helmet can work on existing gutters, new gutters, 5-inch, 6-inch gutters. We can help you with it all. 800-672-4348. Online, aluminumcompany.com for a free no-obligation estimate for your gutter helmet. Welcome back to the 25th Anniversary Canes Corner Podcast. I'm Adam Gold. Reynolds Coliseum today, in its modern form, is basically a museum with a basketball court in the center. It's a shrine to NC State's finest, masquerading as a home for women's basketball, wrestling, and some other university Olympic sports. Nearly 40 years ago, however, it was really showing its age, and people just weren't flocking there unless it was a special occasion. Back to NC State historian Tim Peeler. When they had North Carolina there, when they had Duke there, those games were filled to the brim. When they had any other ACC opponent or non-conference opponent, the the, the arena was simply not full because people didn't like going there uh, because of the lack of amenities, being on campus, traffic, all that stuff. So he said, we need a new arena. Um, His original thought was to build it downtown. Um, he was convinced otherwise to put it on land that was already owned by the Wolfpack Club. So they needed a new arena. They wanted to take it out near the um, where the cheap land was that they already owned next to Carter-Finley Stadium. And eventually that was the site that was chosen. The Wolfpack Club owned the land. They gave the land for that. Um, NC State gave some money. Um, City of Raleigh gave some money. Wake County gave some money. Everybody had about $66 million ready to invest in a new arena. Well, at the same time, concurrently, when it finally got moving, 
um, NC State went through some um, NCAA problems. Jim Valvano was fired. They had to reset what they wanted to do. So it went from the 80s to the mid-90s before they ever really got moving on any of that. And by that time, uh, a group in Charlotte had put in a bid for an expansion franchise in the NHL. Did not succeed, but Peter Carmanos was impressed enough by that expansion bid to say, hey, I'm looking for a new place um, for my team here in Hartford. How about I come down, I'll put in a boatload of money, and we'll retrofit the designs that you have for the arena uh, to be able to host hockey. And that includes adding luxury boxes, adding um, infrastructure to be able to switch it back and forth uh, from basketball to hockey to monster trucks to all the things that you have there. Here's Steve Stroud. Uh, we first started talking about the need for a new arena after State won the national championship in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I took my family and my mom and dad to Albuquerque to the national championship. And uh, after the game, we were sitting, uh, we sat five rows from the floor in the pit right behind the state bench. And after all the, uh, the ruckus on the floor, Jim came over and he said, uh, why don't you and your dad fly back with the team? I'll ask him, but I, I think my dad would be thrilled at, uh, at that opportunity. And he was. And he came, sat down, brought it down in the aisle and said, we get back to Raleigh, we got to talk about a new facility. You know, we can get the right kind of facility. We can continue doing things like we did this year. Wolfpack Club Executive Director Charlie Bryant. You look back at Reynolds Coliseum, what it what it looked like many many years ago, and and uh, when Reynolds Coliseum was the largest facility south of uh, Madison Square Garden for many years, and and for uh, for that period of time, well during the fifties, we had the largest basketball attendance in the United States, and we also had numerous numerous shows in there, and that's what that's what keyed everything about wanting to have a multi-purpose arena again. We'd had everything from, from the governor's inauguration to the, uh, three different presidents and, and, super, and potential presidents coming in and, and all kinds of shows and friends of the college, which was a, a huge uh, operation. And, and when, when Reynolds Coliseum became outdated, when we started looking at a new facility back in, in the early 80s, it became... It became a necessity, in our opinion, that this facility be something that would 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 image the uh, Reynolds Coliseum and would be a multi-purpose arena, not just a basketball arena. I don't know who said it, but when you're trying to make an omelet, you're going to break a few eggs, right? So, in keeping with the breakfast theme, here's Tim Peeler. It was an ugly sausage-making experience, which is probably appropriate since... Wendell Murphy had the naming rights of the building, uh, the Sausage King of North Carolina, uh, or the Pork King of North Carolina, anyway. But that was the other thing. There was a huge issue over naming rights because Wendell Murphy had purchased the naming rights, and NC State retained the naming rights out of all the things that were going on. He was planning to name it the Murphy Arena uh, in memory of his parents. Can't tell you how many times I've sat next to Wendell Murphy at a state basketball game. Wonderful, generous man. Now, about Raleigh. 
Did Hurricanes GM Jim Rutherford have any doubts about the team's new address? Uh, We felt all along the right decision was made as far as this market. Um, We did know it was going to take some time. It was going to take a point where the team had a had a good season, and and that that's probably when it it started to turn in '02 when we went to the finals and against Detroit. You know, a lot of excitement was created. A lot of uh, people that hadn't been hockey fans all their lives were were fans and Hurricanes fans. And then, of course, when uh, we won the cup in '06, that uh, that was even a bigger factor. The first, but not the last, reference to a pair of historic seasons. Longtime Hurricanes radio voice Chuck Caton did have his doubts, though. I think there were a lot of questions. I think if you were to ask Peter Carmanos himself uh, in those first few years, but he actually did believe in the area from a business standpoint. He knew uh, he was very prescient when it came to um, the growth on the uh, economic side of this community, and he's turned out to be right that way. I think it's taken more time. You can't just show up and say, here we are, we're a National Hockey League franchise. You've got to prove yourself, just like a player has to prove uh, himself. So they didn't do that, in my estimation, enough in the early years. And if it wasn't for 2002 and going to the Stanley Cup final, I wonder how this franchise would have fared. Told you another reference was coming. In fact... We should probably do an entire episode about that 2002 team. What do you think? Back to sports anchor Jeff Gravely. Is this a sport that can thrive and survive here in Raleigh? And getting to the playoffs was was great, but you know, and there are people that bought their season tickets and made that four, those 41 trips to Greensboro, um, and it's a badge of honor for them. Today. Every one of them calls aftermath. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, I drove to Greensboro. 82 times in the regular season and you have this new car and you've got a new home but you're not able to utilize either one of them it was a great start at home as far as you know the sellout but then all of a sudden attendance starts to dwindle and then uh uh-huh told you told you is this going to work in this market maybe the problem is that some thought raleigh just to be a college town Here's Chuck Caton. That was the first thing that we were told. This is a college area. It's never going to work. I guess that planted a lot of negative thoughts into my mind uh, that we had to overcome. But again, I said that the uh, the hallmark for me was 02 and then 06 proved to me that you could coexist with the, with the the Dukes and the States and the and the Carolinas of the world. And not try to be that direct competitor, but to be a compliment. And I know that from a marketing standpoint, the Hurricanes did their best to do that. They said it doesn't matter if you're a Blue Devil fan or a Tar Heel fan or a you know a Wolfpack fan. You can all be Hurricane fans. This is the uniting factor. Uh, and so I think they played on that. So I think they can coexist and have very nicely, actually. Kane's GM at the time, Jim Rutherford. We knew the fans were going to be here once we got going. Um, and we also knew that, you know, the same as a number of cities where you do have transplanted people, where there were a lot of people here from Buffalo. Um, when we saw the Sabres come in, a lot of people cheering for Buffalo, um, people from Toronto, people from New York, um, you know, cities like that where we we realized that there were a lot of hockey fans here, but they weren't necessarily Hurricanes fans. They were fans of other NHL teams. 
Ever try to check into a hotel and your room isn't ready? What do you do? Well, Chuck Caton and the Hurricanes started with nine straight on the road in their first season in the new building. I think we had a six-game road trip, a five-game road trip, a two-game road trip. There were a number of games. I think it was nine or 11 games on the road before they uh, started. And of course, it wasn't unprecedented. Other teams have done that in the past. But uh, it, it was a tough start for people here in this market because the team started on the road and they never got a chance to see him. So you're right, though. The 99-2000 season really, for us, seemed to be the first year that we really felt we were at home. I mean, it was a beautiful building, still is. So that that was a lot different. One thing I was curious about was why Stroud was so sold on the NHL. Did he really think it would work? I asked him. Nobody thought it would work. Probably you didn't think it would work. Oh, I did. When I got here, I knew it would work. I told everybody it would work. There not many people that really thought that, so you know that. Right. I thought it was an insane idea. It was a great idea, and it's brought a whole new element. I tell people, before the hurricanes came, we were Raleigh, North Carolina. After hurricanes came, we were Raleigh. They referred to us. They don't say Charlotte, North Carolina. They say Charlotte. And they no longer say Raleigh, North Carolina. They say Raleigh. It put us on the map. The road that runs between PNC Arena and Carter-Finley Stadium is called Steve Stroud Way for a reason. Coming up, a hint at Episode 6. And you'll never guess what Reynolds Coliseum had before any other place in the South. After the break. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Before we tell you what's coming up, I love hearing about history. I'm guessing you do too. So here's something you might not have known about Reynolds Coliseum. NC State historian Tim Peeler. We know the story of the Hurricanes is about getting the arena built to Mm -hmm. have a home for it. The story of hockey in the state of North Carolina also had ties to getting Reynolds Coliseum built, which was similarly financed by multiple revenue streams. And one of the big revenue streams for operating costs was to have the South's first ice skating rink in Reynolds Coliseum. And it was planned to be in there from the very beginning uh, when the uh, building started in 1941. And then when it was completed in 1949, there were 12 miles of ice making equipment and pipes in the floor of Reynolds Coliseum. The whole idea was to uh, to pay for Reynolds by having open skates 
uh, for the public. And I've talked to multiple people through the years who said they first learned to ice skate in Reynolds Coliseum. When Reynolds Coliseum was dedicated in April of 1950, it was dedicated at an ice skating show. People don't know that, but that was when it was dedicated. All of the famous skaters came for uh, either ice capades, and they would come and stay here for a week. The ice would be in Reynolds. Reynolds Coliseum was the first place in the South where you could actually go indoors and skate as part of the general public. Hockey came to that because they were, at the time, the Eastern Hockey League was very big. Uh, It was big on the East Coast, obviously. That's where all the teams were. But they would play exhibition games at Reynolds Coliseum. Uh, Philadelphia Olympians, uh, other other teams of the day would come here and play not just exhibition games, but regular season games in Reynolds. When um, Greensboro built its Coliseum in 1959, they also put ice making and uh, hockey rink equipment in the building so that they could host minor league hockey. And, you know, through the years, as you said, Greensboro hosted it. Winston-Salem had a team. Raleigh had a team at Dorton Arena. Fayetteville had a team. It became a popular sport. And I think that was one of those underlying things when the Hurricanes came here, that there were just enough people who maybe remembered some of that, who knew some of that. I know that my first experience of a game in the Triangle was going to Dorton to see the Ice Caps play. And I think there's just enough of that to make people think it could be successful. And that's the history of what Reynolds Coliseum was supposed to be, a place for concerts, shows, circuses, ice capades, all those things. And um, that is what the um, entertainment and sports arena was as well when it came here and was retrofitted to uh, host hockey. Pretty cool, huh? Hey, before we go, do you think we should devote an entire episode to the 2002 team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals and nearly shocked the living winged wheel out of Detroit? I sure do. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. This Kane's 25th anniversary podcast series is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network, thanks to our friends at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina, with special assistance from Rusty Helser. I'm Adam Gold. See you next time. You've been listening to the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. The Canes Corner Podcast is a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.